Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? Hi, everyone. Today, I have Will and Karen from The Skeptic Metaphysician. It is an amazing podcast. I was just on it. It was so much fun speaking. Actually, it was just Will that day. But overall, it's usually Karen and Will and a really fun podcast. And any of you who are listening to this will love that podcast as well. So I will let Will and Karen each introduce themselves. You go first, Will. Oh, why? But ladies, <laughs> ladies always go first. I know, but you have more to say than I do. <laughs> oh, I don't know about this one. I'm Will, and I am the host and one of the hosts and producer of the Skeptic Metaphysicians. Um, this baby was brought out of my uh, own kind of Dark Night of the Soul show, but we really look at, we, we bill ourselves as Metaphysics 101 because we want to be a jump on point for people who are interested in this stuff, but maybe aren't 100% committed to it. We give them an introduction to different modalities and things like that. And I'm Karen and I am the other co-host of the Skeptic Metaphysicians. And I just kind of glommed on to Will. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. About a year and a half ago. Mm. And uh, we have been having so much fun co-hosting the podcast. We have learned so much and we are learning so much more about the fact that we really know nothing even after all that we've learned. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a it's been a fun ride so far. And don't let humble Karen fool you. She actually is an integral part of the show. In fact, she asks so the, all the good questions are asked from, <laughs> by her. Uh, I just uh, provide dad jokes. <laughs> a little more than that. <laughs> I've always enjoyed both of you on it. So my first question is, what got each of you into this? I know it's kind of a unique topic that not many of us, more skeptical people especially, get into. Well, actually, this was Will's baby. He kind of went through, I probably should let him tell the story, but I'm going to. He kind of went through a, um, I don't want to say a midlife crisis, but a, a big, huge kind of change that ended up sort of as a, a breakdown of sorts. And through that, he started looking for answers. He went to a therapist and began to meditate and then started kind of remembering a lot of the things that he had been interested in when he was young. And so started going back into those and exploring and learning more. And from time to time, I would I would join him. And then we just kind of really enjoy doing it together. I think what we like about how we um, explore the metaphysics is that we have two different sides looking at this. We have someone who's a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more pragmatic 
Will. <laughs> he likes to look at more of a scientific <laughs> approach. And I just enjoy believing. So um, we both ask, you know, pretty good questions from two different points of view. And I think with that, we're able to get a really good perspective of all of the different topics and modalities for our audience. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better than Karen did. I recognize myself as, as someone I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be associated with. So I started going down a path of self-discovery and self-betterment. Uh, and this this was part of it because I knew that there was uh, there was much more to who we are than um, than our egos. And this is the show's a way for me to find what else is out there and helping me to find my like my true north. Uh, it's really helped me to orient myself in the way that I really want to be as a better human being, honestly. So from both of your perspectives, what is some of the most kind of mind-blowing, unexpected things you've learned since starting this? If there's a specific guest or specific bit of information? Uh, yeah, we've learned a lot. Uh, it's hard to pin down one particular one. It's like like the old cliche about uh, choosing who your favorite kid is. I think Karen alluded it to it a little bit earlier about the fact that what we're learning is that we really know so little about the world and reality as we know it. Like Karen said, I'm much more in a pragmatic point of view. I need to make sure that it makes sense. I can, I can wrap my head around it somehow without just going, oh, you're a psychic. Okay. Tell me more. It's more like, oh, you're a psychic. How do you know? Like, where is it coming from? How, you know, wh where's, what's the genesis of it? Are you, maybe, can you, would you maybe make things up or right? There's all kinds of things like that, but Diving into these conversations, you get a feel for when someone is just blowing smoke and when someone actually really, truly believes what they're saying. And through the course of our two plus years of doing the show and, and exploring, we found that there is a vast difference between people that say that they are one thing and actually do that thing that they are saying that they do. Uh, so we found a way to kind of differentiate between the two. So we've learned that we know that there's a lot more out there than we had any idea was out there because we've sifted through all the garbage and found the really gems in the, in the rough. It's kind of like, you know, people with money, when they really have money, they don't talk about how much money they have, but when they don't, they talk about it all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> right. it's similar to that. Right, right. <laughs> and I've learned that you really don't know what is going to affect you and what's not going to affect you. You might think you have an idea of what you believe in, but once you start talking to people and really listening to the things that they're saying, everything changes. For me, one of the coolest experiences I had was with someone who does breath work and he invited us to uh, attend a breath work seminar. It was all remote. And I thought, okay, yeah, you're breathing. You know, I've done yoga and all of that stuff. It'll be nice, I'm sure, but that was really all I expected. And I have to say, out of all of the different things we've tried, the breath work was one of the things that struck me the most, hit me the hardest. It was this out-of-body experience. It was incredible. And I was not expecting that at all whatsoever. So you never really know. And, you know, you don't close your mind to something just because it sounds a little funky, because it might just be the thing that works for you. Mm. So I have a few spinoff questions from everything you said. <laughs> I told you she had good thing, but she has good answers too. <laughs> I know. First of all, now, well, you said that there are some people who you think are more full of shit than others. Do you think, to put it bluntly, yeah, um, right? That, huh? Yeah, I mean, do you think 
and I'd be curious both of your opinions on this. When you say the people who can't do what they claim, do you think they're lying intentionally or do they honestly believe the claims they're making? I, I think there's a little bit of all of the above. I mm-hmm. think there's always going to be a certain amount of people who know that they're full of shit and they are just out to take your 20 bucks. But I think probably in this space, especially, I think probably the majority of people who aren't really as talented as they would like to be, I think their heart's in a good place. They want to try to help, but perhaps aren't as connected as they might think that they are. Unfortunately, it's it. The same thing happens, right? You don't get the information that you need. And so it's not as helpful. So the trick is to find that top 10% of the folks that really are super connected and super talented that can give you actionable information. Because a lot of people in the space, although they really mean well, tend to keep things on the general side just so they don't have someone say to them, no, that's complete bullshit, you know? That was very businessy, actionable. I kind of noticed I had an interesting experience when I took a psychic development class. I've done it quite a bit. And one of them, you know, we're all supposed to read people. So I'm saying all this stuff that was right, but logically right. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, you know, tied a 60 year old woman, you have two grandmothers on the other side and things that would just uh, by odds would make sense, you know, from especially mm-hmm. that generation, she baked you cookies. And she was saying, oh my God, you're right. You're right. And yes, they're supposed to be supportive in a class, but this woman genuinely believed I was having psychic abilities. So I have come to think that it's exactly that, that there's a lot of logical things people can deduce. And so people can be pretty good at deducing logic. And if you tend to be very believy about this stuff, which I'm not, people will think they have abilities with the best of hearts. Yeah, great point. Yeah, you, you, can, you can mistake that intellectual knowing with the psychic knowing mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And that's when you have to really listen to what they're talking to you about. You know, I always, whenever I go in for any sort of reading, I don't even tell them my name. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right. Um, and some of the stuff is very general, of course, but every once in a while you'll, you'll hear that nugget about, you know, your, I don't know, cousin, whatever, that they would have no way of knowing about. And you're like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Karen, I want to ask you a follow-up question. If you don't mind sharing anything about your out-of-body experience, what was that <laughs> like? It was really brief. It was just, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't thinking about it. The session lasted for about maybe an hour and you're doing, it's called warrior breath and it's a very rapid kind of deep breathing. So you're like, (laughs) which you think wouldn't really be sustainable for an hour, but actually it is. And next thing I know, I'm looking at myself and it, you know, in, in pretty good detail. And I wasn't looking for that. So, I mean, I guess I could have imagined it, but it was just weird. Like I felt a rush in, in my body. And um, can, can you be more specific? Like when you say you were looking at yourself, were you just kind of. I, I could see myself lying on the bed. Okay. So were you above yourself or. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not like really far. And it wasn't something that lasted a long time. I didn't, you know, go wandering around or anything like that. I just, I just saw myself lying there on the bed. And then the next thing you know, I was back. But regardless, even for that experience, that wasn't I, that was an interesting thing that happened during the breathwork. But I think it was the whole feeling and everything that the whole breathwork session gave me that I really liked so much. That was just a little bonus. I mean, that sounds like a pretty amazing bonus. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No doubt about that. I've been dying, trying to get it done for two and a half years, probably longer since I was in my 20s. Never once been You're able to. trying too hard. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I hear it. I've heard that from many people. <laughs> yes, I'm trying too hard. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to surrender. If it happens mm-hmm. great. If it doesn't happen, that's fine too. But 
damn it, you just started doing this stuff and you did it. Well, you know, <laughs> some of us got mad skills, baby. I see that. <laughs> yeah, I relate to you. Well, I've been trying to do this for years and I feel like these amazing waves, but I have yet to actually go out of body. And I mean, I want to get the data when I do it. I'm like, I want to visit someone. I want to see something that was not possible. Well, hey, at least you're getting the waves. I'm not even getting that. I, I've not I had. Oh no, you've had some waves. No, no, no. But the the waves, the Kundalini waves, are supposed to go, you know send vibrations up and down your spine, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, that hasn't happened to me at all. I think the closest I've ever gotten has been some butterflies at the base of my spine. That's probably about as far as I've gotten. Well, maybe you're too focused on what you're supposed to feel. You know, just let it happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what happens to me. I mean, it's kind of amazing. I feel waves as if I have sensations, maybe a foot above my body. Then I start analyzing and I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. And then I'm like, how is this happening? Is this some quantum entanglement? My mind goes, the science, it goes away in a second. I get there again. Same thing. Yeah. Once yeah. you start thinking about it, it all goes away. And that's where you kind of have to be able to maneuver that, that fine line between thinking yeah. and, you know, the science of it and, and letting yourself have the yeah. experience and the feeling of it. You know, that's it's a, hard. It's a great point. Cause when I meditate mm. in the book I'm reading now, the, the, I'm reading the surrender experiment by, um, geez, I can't think of the guy's name now, but incredible book. And, uh, I'll link in the show notes. So if anyone wants to see who wrote it, uh, it's a great book and it's called the surrender experiment. And it's all about the, it, it's his life, uh, recounting his experiences, but, uh, he went through a 40 year period where he just surrendered and let the universe kind of guide him uh, wherever. And and it was all launched by when one time he was having a conversation with someone else and he saw himself, he watched himself think about how he was going to respond to this conversation, this, this particular question. And from that point forward, he saw himself like the, the whole thing that Eckhart Tolle, the watcher behind the thoughts, he saw himself as someone behind the thoughts. and. The whole thing, the whole book, really, at least as far as I've gotten, is all about being able to observe yourself, monitor to yourself from a place of non-thought so that you can notice things. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because, to Karen's point, you would have to have, you and I, who are more pragmatic of mindset, would have to have this ability to just observe without coming to conclusion. And I think that's the problem here, that we constantly go into, oh, I... I'm identifying this when you just have to observe yourself experiencing it. And then when you come back, then you can analyze the living crap out of it. But in the moment, and that's, I'm trying to do better with that. When I meditate, I'm trying to not analyze and just observe. And I'm finding that I, I have a hard time with that. And so that really explains, I think, a lot of why I've not been able to achieve a lot of these things that a lot of folk out there that can just observe have been able to do. I actually relate to that too. And I think of my early medium readings in the beginning, I would in my head, as they said, each point be checking off almost like a visual checklist in my mind, scoring it and trying to come up with ways how they could have gotten this. And each point I'm doing this and the medium's going too fast and my mind can't keep up. And when I let go and just let myself hear everything and engage and respond and then told myself, I'm going to score this later. Everything you're doing, still do, but do it later. They transformed. So, mm. and I think the same applies to the experiential. Yeah. I, I can't help but, but think that that is the case. And that's, at least it's the first step, Liz. We, we've identified it and now we've got to, we got to quantify it. Now we got to make sure we step back and actually do the work rather than just continue identifying. It's the not doing the work. That you got to do. Uh, yeah. 
Ooh, that's hard one for people like Will and I, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole thing about the surrender experiment. We just, we just have to find a way to surrender. And I'm not there yet, but I'm getting closer. I'm also backing up again a little because Will and I like your thoughts on this too, Karen. You said you have a way of where you just know when someone is more genuine when they're speaking versus not. I'd like to know what you mean by that and how, unless I'm giving away a secret formula that you can't share. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, I, that's a hard question to answer because we are living in, you and I are trying to live in as woo less of an environment as we can. But there is a point where the woo has to have a say. I feel intellectually, I've always been good at gauging people to a large extent. My skill set at in my day job, my professional life, has always been identifying people's strengths and weaknesses and putting them in positions for success, for their own success as well as the company's success. Part of that also includes feeling when someone is truly speaking from genuineness versus saying something that they think I want to hear. A lot of people, once you get to a certain career level, there are some people out there that will tell you things just to agree with you because they want you to like them or they want you to promote them or they want you to do whatever. So you learn to find that filter that says, mm, you're just saying what I want to hear rather than this is really truly what you're feeling inside. So bringing that to this equation now, I can't help but think it's a little bit of that and a little bit of just something resonates with you, right? Something says to you, this doesn't sound right. And over the course of two and a half or two plus years of doing the show, you start to identify, yep, I was, I was right about that person when they said that it, I wasn't feeling, it wasn't feeling right. Or yeah, I, I've always felt very much that this is, this is legit. So I, I mean, it, what, intuitive, right? Clear cognizant, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. And I was just going to say, well, you're clear cognizant, so there's that. <laughs> but also, I mean, through all of these interviews, we've spoken to so many people who have basically identified your subconscious as being your higher self um, or your guide telling you. And so that whole listen to your gut, it's not really your gut that you're listening to. You're listening to your subconscious because your body responds to your subconscious. So you're getting those blood or butterflies or that kind of gut feeling that you have, which, you know, according to what we've been learning is your higher self. So when you get that gut feeling about someone being full of it, you know, maybe that's your higher self saying next. Right. But then after that, then you have to start thinking. We don't really know for sure. That's true. What's real and what's not. It's just what is real for us. So if someone is saying their truth to you and it doesn't ring true to you, it just means that it's not true to you. And I think that both can coexist where my reality is in a certain dimension, for lack of a better word, and their reality is in another, which is just they're just not compatible at that point in time. And unless it's like the obvious people that are just trying to hawk their wares and, you know, come on and sell their books or, you know, whatever, something like that, then it's kind of obvious. But yeah. And do you feel you can tell that? I assume that's not someone you'd want on. Are you able to tell that before the interview would start? Are you ever in an interview and you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> now we're no, going to have to. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not airing this one. Yeah, yeah we, there have been times where we have actually 
stopped the recording, thanked the guests, walked out, uh, make sure our microphones are off, walked out of the room, walked downstairs, go outside the house and go, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Right. Uh, and then we make, make, we make determinations. Uh, yeah. We're, we're not going to send this one off. We, we've had quite recently, actually, we had a person that came on the show that uh, told us in the pre-screen that uh, they were going to show us how to do this and this and this and this. And that all sounded wonderful. And when it came time, time to it, all that person was doing was selling their program and not giving us yeah. those answers that they said they would give us during the interview. That it yeah. really sits badly with me. And I immediately told, turned to Karen and said, never going to see the light of day. This interview is never going to go out. Yeah. Because you're like, well, give us a tip. Well, look at the program. You know, that's... Hmm. Yeah, there's no, credit. there's no value. We're not asking for the whole shebang, you right. know, just kind of. Right. I, in my professional life, again, I, my job is branded content. So I create programs around a brand's message. But part of that is you have to reveal some of the message for the audience to say, these people know what they're talking about. Let me go use them for my, the services that I need. In the same, in this space would be the same where you need to show us that you truly understand what it is that you're trying to teach before them, someone can say, yes, I can learn from this person. And if this person, all they're saying is learn from me, learn from me, learn from me without saying, here's why, mm -hmm. then people are going to go, I'm going to learn from this other guy who told me exactly how to do this certain thing. I just don't want to do it on my own. And that sounds like such a stingy energy too, to be even mm -hmm. a little more we bring in the energy. It's just, I mean, I don't like people that are that stingy and hoarding of their information. I mean, obviously you make, you have to make money. We all have to, but there's a way where you're realistic about that and still have a spirit of generosity. I mm -hmm. think. Absolutely. In contrast, we had a, a lovely other guest who came in and revealed her entire system. Just, bleh, just put it all out there. And I actually asked the question, well, you, you've given us all the tools that we need. <laughs> Why would you do that when someone can actually hire you to work through the stuff? And she's like, well, I haven't worked that out yet. I, I think I just want to make sure this is out there to help people. And eventually it will come back to me and to her, to her credit. It has because now we've gone through the system. We have the tools we need, but it's much better when someone's holding your hand through it and mm -hmm. you're not doing it on your own. So we'll go back to her time and time again because she's expressed a generosity of spirit that we want to not reward. That's not the right Encourage. word. Yes. Yes. Much better word. Yeah. Do you want to share who it is and what episode people can listen to and give her a shout out? Sure. Uh, the kinetic divination, the, the um, muscle testing. Jillian Schlager, she was incredible. She had a session with Karen and I before the interview and she gave us all the tools. She gave everything. She held nothing back. Mm -hmm. We put it on the air after with her permission because I, I, that I said to her, you're giving it all away. Are you okay with that? She goes, Absolutely. It's, it's meant for the universe to be out there. And full disclosure, this stuff that she was doing, it, it's not just muscle. Muscle testing is a part of the, in, of the interview. But it's also the tools she gives you once you have the answers from your body about how, what to do about it. Mm -hmm. That's the special part. And I would not, I could not do it justice by explaining it here on the show. And it's not my attempt to get everyone over to listen to that episode, but rather I, I would love for you to hear it for yourself so that it, she will do it much better justice than I ever could. And Karen, I actually have a question for you on another note. You said mm. you pretty much always believed this. And I want to know why did things happen when you were a child? Just what made you always believe 
all this? Gosh, well, I think, yeah, I mean, strange things happened. I don't want to say I always got whatever I wanted, but when there were things that I really wanted, I would, I would get them oddly. Um, maybe manifestation, I don't know what you want to call it, but I just never felt alone. And as I, you know, grew older and stuff, things would happen. I would have certain dreams, certain experiences. I, you know, have a, a, a ghost that has been following me around for about two decades and she's wonderful. <laughs> and she's given me physical proof that she's there. So I think, yeah, there have been, there've been quite a few experiences in my life that have just led me to believe maybe I could explain them away. If I sat there and really thought about it and worked on it, I mean, I guess you can explain anything away, but why? You know, it's, it's just lovely to have this, this companion or to have these experiences or this belief or this ideals and, and they're, they're working for me. So can you give an example of that physical proof? Okay. So, so Lila, that's what I named her. And, um, there's a couple, I mean, several, but I'll, I'll tell you a couple in your face kind of experiences. I used to be a teacher, um, years ago and for Christmas, I used to get, you know, the students would bring you presents and I got this really nice pen and it was my favorite pen and I used it all the time. And then I lost it, which I always do. And, you know, I was sad about it, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. Several, I'm going to say several weeks went by, probably a couple of two, three months. And I was, I got up and I'm getting ready to go to work and I go over to my dresser like I did every morning. And there on the top of the dresser in a straight line, taken apart in pieces is my pen. So yeah. <laughs> and she, she lived alone. I lived alone. So. Yeah, I lived alone. I had a dog, <laughs> but, you know, Kira didn't have thumbs and she would bark in random rooms and kind of stare and bark, you know, if you, you know, every once in a while. But another thing that was even more, I guess, kind of in your face is I had to acknowledge her because if I didn't from time to time, things would happen. You know, you'd hear like things would fall off the shelves and stuff. Nothing like horrible like that, you know, scary or anything. But Will, when Will and I had started dating, he got me a beautiful diamond bracelet for Christmas and I wore it all the time. And I went to work one day and I didn't have it on and I'm, I didn't remember taking it off. And I'm like, oh no, I better, I worked really close to my house. I'm just going to run home and grab it. So I go home and as I'm pulling up, I see the, the yard guy and he's mowing the lawn right by where I parked. And I'm like, oh my God, it's being all chopped up. You know, and I talked to him. He's like, no, there's been no weird noises. And we look around in the grass for a while and it's not there. So I go inside the house and I'm looking through the house, you know, in my bedroom, in the bed, on the nightstand, on the floor, in the bathroom, the living room. I'm looking between the couch cushions. I mean, everywhere that it wouldn't be, I'm looking. I go out onto the porch. I'm looking on the floor. I'm looking everywhere. So after a good 35, 40 minutes, I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to have to buy myself a new bracelet because of course I can't tell him I've lost the bracelet. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I got to figure out where he bought it. I got to get another one. So I'm like, oh, let me ask Lila for help. So I'm like, Lila, I really need you to help me find this bracelet. You know, I don't have the extra money right now <laughs> to go buy myself a piece of jewelry. So I look around the house a little bit longer and then I go to leave and I open the door, which I had done like probably 25 times looking for this bracelet. And I look on the welcome mat and in a perfect spiral shape is my bracelet sitting right there for me. That's weird. I know. She helped me. <laughs> Hard to wrap your head around that, huh? <laughs> I mean, we can play all the games. Was it Lila? Was it PK? Your own? I would consider that pretty strong evidence. PK is psychokinesis. That is mind's ability to affect matter, such as spoon bending or a mind's ability to move objects. That's pretty strong evidence. And, and I had looked on the floor in and out probably 10 times, you know, in the same spot, looking everywhere and retracing my steps and... I, that one, I don't really know how you would explain that one away. That one was <laughs> because it was almost immediately after I, I asked for help. It was right there. 
almost immediately okay because then I was like well I can come up with ways maybe you sleepwalked and you knew unconsciously where it was but if it was right away you have to eliminate that no it was it was like within minutes it was maybe five minutes and then I went and there it was because I had given up you know I'm like all right you know, she's not helping me <laughs> walk out and there there it is on the floor cue the twilight zone music and <laughs> <Do, do, do. laughs> so. And now, Will, you're tired. Yeah. So you thought like me originally, am I right? You thought none of this is possible. It's all a bunch of nonsense, no afterlife, nothing, right? Yeah, I. my biggest fear has been the fear of death. Since I was a kid, the thought of dying was the worst ever because so I, I just firmly believe that once you die, it's end of the line. Black, there's nothing else. That's it. You just don't, you no longer exist. And part of me wanted to believe, I, part of me really badly wants to believe that there's, this stuff is real. That's why I created the show, because I want, I want the proof. I want to see it, but I need the proof. I need to be able to feel it, taste it, touch it, see it, right? I need to see it for myself. I need to know it exists. And maybe because I grew up in New York and Connecticut, that area where there are a lot of people in New York who are trying to swindle you, you get this mentality of, no, nah, no, nah, you are not going to pull one over on me. So everyone who came at me with this kind of stuff was like, yeah, bullshit, right? You got to prove it to me before I can believe it. And even though I really want to believe, I needed the proof. But for a very long time, I never got it. I never had it until I was attuned to Reiki. If you, uh, you know what Reiki energy is, it's a, it's a healing modality that apparently allows you to channel, they call it universal life force energy through your crown chakra and out of the palms of your hands. And you're able to affect different things. Like uh, I've taken away headaches. I've taken away cramps. There's some, it helps with anxiety. I mean, there's all kinds of things that apparently it's supposed to do. Stop saying apparently because you know it's true. I, yes, yes, I knew. I'm just trying to follow the line of the, of the show that we're on. <laughs> so. so wait, do you do Reiki for yourself? I, I do it for others. It, in fact, the crazy thing is that maybe because I, I'm not, oh, sorry, it, it's never worked for me. When I, when I try to do it to myself, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I can't take my own headaches away, but I can take Karen's headaches away, for example, or, or something, or cramps. Or, there is a marked difference. From And I won't go into the whole story because it's a, it's a long one. But when I was attuned to the energy, the, the, the time you're practicing your hand positions prior to your attunement, you go to the back room, get attuned and come back out. The difference between the energy flow out of the palms of your hands from the time before the attunement to after was such a marked difference that it really threw me for a loop. I was, I was always looking for that tangible proof. Well, this energy coming out of my, the palms of my hands was absolute tangible proof. And subsequent years, I've given Reiki to Karen. One point that one, one time comes to mind where her foot was hurting or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was giving her Reiki on her foot as we're watching TV. But when you give Reiki, you, you don't touch them. You stay you know, a couple inches above them so that you can let the energy flow through. And... As I'm giving her Reiki, she turns to me at one point, she goes, oh, can you don't don't push down so hard because it's it's starting to hurt. And I said, look down, I'm not touching you at all. And she looked down and I was a good, you know, two inches away from her foot. But she felt this pressure like I was touching, I was pressing down on her on her foot without knowing A, that I was giving her Reiki and B, that that I wasn't touching her. So that was just another subsequent 
I don't want to say proof, but an example of, okay, there is something here going on that we don't know. So thanks to that, now that opened up my mind to, okay, all right, if this is real, if this energy is real, then what else is out there that is real? And it started opening my mind up to the possibilities. And how did someone who thinks like you even get involved with Reiki in the first place? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, because I've always been fascinated by this stuff. My dad was a big UFO guy. He and I watched In Search Of when we were kids every Sunday religiously. I loved looking into the Bigfoot stuff and the UFOs and the psychokinetic, the ESP and the all the Project Stargate stuff, the you know astral projection and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, though I wasn't really one hundred percent behind it, I wanted it to be real. So I just was looking under rocks and seeing what I could find. Knowing, part of me knowing that I was never going to find anything that's real, but God, wouldn't it be cool if I did find something that blew my mind? And honestly, it did. Reiki energy blew my mind. That was the beginning of me going, okay, let's open up your mind a little bit. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Did you have a turning point in the middle of maybe your podcast or research that you were like, Oh my God, this is the next level. There's This is all getting verified further. Yeah, um, it's been a constant uptake. When we first start the show, we do a lot of these interviews sometimes and people ask us, how can someone get to where you are? Because we're in a much different place than we were three mm -hmm. years ago. And my answer is, there's not a single moment for me that has tipped me over the edge. It's been a very gradual increase of point by point by point. And then when you look back and you see how far you've come, then you realize, oh, wow. But I don't know if I could point to a particular modality that made me go, this is it. This is all real. But rather, you get dribs and drabs. The more you get into this world, the more you're looking into different modalities, talking to different people, experiencing different things for yourself that you, before you realize it, you are in a different place than you were three years ago. And it's more of a moment of when did you realize you were in the different place, not what put you to that different place. And I can tell you for me, probably for both of us, was when we had an interview with a gentleman who has had a relationship with a family of Bigfoots. And <laughs> big feet. Big feet. Yeah. Big, big yeah. whatever. The, the family didn't have big feet, but the, these the, people were was, big feet. The, it was Bigfoot Sasquatch. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. much better. Family yeah. of them. Just say that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, we, I watched In Search of as well as kids. And, you know, it's, it's like really hard to believe with all the technology and heat sensors and everything that I can't find this creature that lives somewhere in the mountains. And 
that just never made sense. But somehow after talking to our guest who explained to us that Bigfoot was actually an interdimensional being, we're like, oh, okay, that, I can wrap my head around that. That makes sense. And we're like, right. wow, right. We, we really have changed our mindset a lot, haven't we? Yeah. The fact that this thing is uh, the hide and seek champion of the world, we've like, come on, how can someone hide themselves for this much without anyone ever seeing them or capturing them in their digital age? Oh, you mean to tell me they they're invisible whenever they want to <laughs> Time be traveling? And okay, yeah, okay. Now <laughs> we can sense. wrap our head around it. Yeah, that's that's just you go. Wow, we've come a long way to actually believe that stuff. You know. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, Karen, I think probably the the one episode that really made me stand up and take notice was reverse, reverse speech. speech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're probably too young to remember this, Liz, but back when in the '80s, there was this big thing where. All the mothers were getting all up in arms because if you played records backwards, they'd have these messages. Apparently, they were satanic. But it was only rock and roll music. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Only ACDC. But apparently, that is a thing because this guy who lives in Australia, he's spent 40 years going through tapes and playing them backwards to find messages, hidden messages that are in these recordings. And he believes that it is our higher self. He says that we speak to each other on two levels. One is the vocal, the way we are talking to each other now, but also our higher selves will speak to each other by the rate of speech, the words that we choose, body language, the inflection that we use with each other to tell, to talk to each other and to tell truths to each other by sending reverse, the messages in reverse that only our higher selves can catch. So according to him, these messages that are sent to each other in reverse can only be 100% truths. Lies will never get transmitted across. And he just so happened to have brought a plethora of recordings that he played for us that wasn't like, look, he said pineapple. No, it was like pineapple. Look, (laughs) and you could hear the guy said pineapple. I don't think anyone ever said pineapple, but you know, (laughs) these recordings were, they were very, very clear to us. Now, Karen will say, and I agree with her. He did tell us ahead of time what we were going to be hearing. Yeah. So I wonder, see, I was a little more skeptical on this. I wonder if he had not told us that if we wouldn't hurt, but some of them actually were really quite clear. Like you, I think for sure, some of them we would have been like, oh my God, and I totally hear that. A couple of them though, mm, I was on the fence. I would challenge you to to listen to that and think it would say anything else than what he said it's saying because it, and you can hear it on the show itself. We left it in there. Mm -hmm. All of the messages he played for us, he says, this person is saying this, 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 take a listen. And I would go and, and you would hear exactly what he said. And then I would ask him to play it again. And in the edit, I actually slowed it down and brought in different frequencies so that we can try to clear it up a little bit so that we can, is this truly, or is this a, is this, is this bullshit? I could not find any explanation other than what this tape was saying was legit. And he was saying things like, uh, I mean, he played statements from politicians and just regular people, people having conversations, a dialogue with each other. And here's what they're saying forwards, but here what they're saying backwards to each other. Uh, it, but they also, he went, also took it further where he played a, a clip for us where John F. Kennedy during his inauguration speech predicted his own death. In his inauguration speech, there's a part where he says backwards, the, uh, the head is hitting the car. And that was taped many, many years before the, the assassination when in, in that motorcade. There was a tape where 
his daughter who couldn't wasn't able to speak yet was in a bathtub and she was trying to reach for something but she couldn't reach it so he was just doing google gaga's whatever when she you know the little kids speak but that was unintelligible he played that backwards and could hear her say to him daddy please help or david please help i forgot what exactly what the words were but it was because she was trying to reach and looking at him and the Google Gaga's played backwards was a definitive message to him to help her grab the toy. And all this is in the show. I'm going to listen to the show, that episode. <laughs> but here are my first questions. So first of all, that this is unconscious. It's not record labels or people saying, let's sneak this in and try to sell this message. It's somehow our higher selves or some other dialogue that is being had yeah that's exactly right that, that and that's the thing it wasn't it, it's not someone trying to put in a subliminal message it's actually i mean he played just conversations with normal people and he played them backwards mm -hmm. he played just statements of people just just out talking in in on the phone or whatever we should have had him record us that would have been cool oh i wonder i wonder if he can go back over the tape we should, we should have, buy me more flowers. We should, <laughs> uh, we, we should ask him to come back and, and go through the interview that we did with him and see if he finds anything in that, the tape. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. That would be cool. Sorry, Liz, working, working show content. <laughs> on <the middle. laughs> No, I want to hear that. that I, I'm, I'm now, like, I want to meet him and have him start recording my conversations with people yeah. and see. That He's pretty incredible. Cool. Yeah. That could be an amazing tool. I mean, there's a service you go on like first dates, record the conversation, oh, see if you get information, see things is, like, I'm going to marry you or this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> I love that. Why don't you get your teeth fixed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, he's actually working with some police departments to help yeah. because it's been found. He's been he's found messages inside confessions or things like that where they found different things based on what they said. Mm -hmm. So they, it's, it's a legit thing. People yeah. are starting to sit up and take notice of it. Uh, maybe not as much as he would like, but it's getting there. When you first said this, my thought was, oh, this sounds like complete bullshit. Not intentionally, but yeah. absolutely. you say the word dog, someone can listen and say, oh, secret subliminal God. Like there are only so <laughs> many sounds the human voice can make. But now I'm, I want now I'm very intrigued. And the thing that pops into my head, and I know you can't have answers specifically to this, but they're is a theory that we there are parallel universes where time runs runs backwards maybe the universes entangle and obviously if time is running in reverse what we know here that we would tell our four-year-old self in the reverse our 60-year-old self knows what to tell our 30-year-old self so maybe and sound would reverse that's the thing yeah. that pops into my mind Spoken like a true quantum mechanic. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, quantum physics allows for so many of these answers. It because all of a sudden anything is possible. Realities are there are an infinite number of possibilities, an infinite number of realities. So that's why at this point, I've gotten to the point where it was before I was like, this is all bullshit. To now I'm going, you know what? I don't know shit. I don't know anything. All of this could be real. And I have no idea. All I can do is say, this is what's real for me. Mm -hmm. I can't say what's real for you, but this is what's real for me because this is the universe I, I, I've decided to live in. This is probably more a question for Karen because, Will, I'm assuming you would say all of it. But Karen, was there anything? But I guess I can ask you in a certain way, Will, too. But I'll start with you, Karen. Was there anything going into this that, that you did think was probably or most likely bullshit that you changed your mind? 
Um, well, probably the breath work. I didn't think it was going to be anything, you know, that big of a deal. And it was. I would also say, you know, Will and I, there are a lot of things that sometimes we flip back and forth between being the skeptic, like soul contracts. You know, I'm like, I don't think I believe in those. And he's like, yeah. And, and we, we spoke with someone a couple of days ago that made me think, okay, maybe, but I'm still not sure. <laughs> yeah. She explained it differently. She explained it differently. Karma, sometimes I'm iffy on that. You know, like people say that we are living in our, our lives now to kind of fix any karma from the past or to enjoy karma that we earned in a past life. And to me, I'm like, well, that just doesn't seem fair. I mean, I believe in karma today. If I did something today, I'm either going to get rewarded or punished for it in a couple you know, weeks or whatever that I believe in. But something from past life, I'm not 100% sure on that. But the same person explained it in such a way that I'm like, okay, I can, I can understand that a little bit better. Still not maybe 100%, but definitely a, a little bit better of an understanding. So there, there have been a few things that I'm like, okay, you know, and I don't just because I'm the, the believer, it doesn't necessarily mean I believe everything. Sometimes I do, though. <laughs> And is there anything you believed going into studying this and now you've changed your mind and now you're like, oh, I thought it seemed really real. And now I kind of think the opposite. No, I don't think so. I think if anything, the things that I believed in, those beliefs have been strengthened because hearing different people explain things in different ways has maybe helped validate what I felt to be true. But now I'm hearing it maybe from a scientific point of view, because a lot of uh, the people that we interview aren't, they're just not, you know, just woo woo people. I mean, these are people that are, you know, computer analysts and accountants and that maybe they've quit their job and, and given all that up to, to look at this side of life and experience these things and these modalities. And so they have a way of explaining things. And I don't think there's really been anyone that's been on the show that's just been like, it's just is without some sort of an explanation that I can get on board with. So I think if anything, it's probably strengthened my belief in, in the things that I already did believe in. Will, I guess I'm right in saying you didn't believe any of it. Now you're believing most of it, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I wouldn't say I believe all of it. I, I still have a really hard time with channelers. We've had a few people who have channeled beings on our show. And when we first start, because they'll, they'll, They'll full on channel while we're recording. And at first it's very uncomfortable for me. And I've even called it out on the show. Would you mind just explaining channeling quickly? Cause I'm not sure everyone knows specifically what that is. Sure. Yeah. A channel, a channel is someone that actually takes a step, lets their intellect take a step backwards and allows an entity to come through them. Whether it is uh, someone from the other side, someone who has passed on and comes through as that person or an ascended master, Abraham Hicks, was channeled through uh, a very famous, well, I won't get into it now, but look up Abraham Hicks. Also Seth, the Seth books were channeled material. One of my favorite books of all time, Conversations with God, that really shaped my thought process as long as line was channeled work through Neil Donald Walsh. So different channels channel or allow different beings to come through them and speak through them. And we've had several people on a show that have channeled other beings through them as we were live on the air. And at first it was unbelievably uncomfortable for me because I feel silly talking to Liz who says she is Joe, right? So Joe, when I'm obviously talking to Liz, how can I say, so Joe, what is, what is the meaning of life? When I should say Liz uh, or Joe through Liz, I mean, it's just, it's very uncomfortable for me. It's like more extreme than talking to a medium where a medium will be like your father's saying. It's like you're directly talking to your father and there's a different voice and body. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Their, their body 
changes, their demeanor changes, sometimes their voice, the, the voice their their accent change, the way that they're looking at you or not looking at you changes. They, they do look like a different person in front of you, but it's still the same person. So it's difficult for me to make that connection in my head. Over time, and we've had several of them, over time, it's still uncomfortable when it first starts, but after a while, I find that I'm allowing myself to accept the possibility that this is something else that I'm not really truly understanding. I don't know what it is, but rather than saying, yeah, this is bullshit, you're just, you're just using a different accent, right? We can all talk differently if we want to at one point or another, but these people, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, they're well-meaning. They're really trying to get across a message that is almost to a fault has always been positive. Yeah, to it help, has been positive. Yeah, to uplift humanity. And who am I to tell a person that the f- way in which they're choosing to do that is wrong or bullshit, right? I- I'm not, I can't. So though I'm not 100% behind channelers, I'm starting to really start to, to see the reason why they would do that and accept it a lot more now. I think you're behind channelers when you're not seeing them channel. That's a good point. Yes. It's, it's, because, it's because it's uncomfortable <laughs> it's for me. It's because it's, yeah, yeah, it is. It's weird. But again, you know, they're all, they are all just these messages of love and they're mm-hmm. very, well, at least the ones that we've been around, they're very loving during the channeling, like very loving. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's nice. Have any of the messages been evidential or is it more just higher plane, take it for what it is? I think most of it has been take it for what it is. I think that you would find, I guess, going back to, again, our, our earlier conversation, it resonates with you. My very first experience with someone who was channeling somebody was personal. Just she and I were on the, the call together and she said, do you want to talk to this person who had passed away recently, about a year and a half, two years before? Said, sure, absolutely. And it was weird and I wasn't buying it at first, but damn it, if she didn't take on the exact characteristics and tone of voice, the rate of speed, it just, it sounded like I was talking to this person. Did she know this person at all? Had she, did you tell her who or she came to you and said, do you want to talk to? She came to me. And so it wasn't, right, it wasn't influenced at all. She didn't know who it was. She didn't know what our relationship was prior to moving aside for this person. And it was uncanny. So that was the first chink in the armor for me, I think. Since then, we've had a channel that has that channeled a collective of angels called the Judah Collective. And what I'm going to say here, I'm not going to go completely into it because it's going to embarrass Karen, but it's because of the reactions that have come about from that channeling session that I find I have more evidence that this is real. How's that for cryptic? (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that we've also experienced when talking to some of these, these people while they're channeling is we've asked some questions. I, I'm trying to think of an example, even before I asked this, I cannot think of any, (laughs) but we've asked some, you know, very pointed kind of complicated questions and they always answer like without missing a beat. It's not like, let me think about this. Let me explain, you know, how this can work with your subconscious. It's just like, right, like, boom, like very right. detailed, long, clear answers. Yeah. The, 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 no time to let me come up with a story, right? It just bleh, right out there. Actually, I do have something that I can share 
uh, it's not about channeling, but it's about evidence in a certain extent, but it has to do with me. On one of our shows, at one point, someone said that I was claircognizant. Karen mentioned it earlier. The clair is like clairvoyant, clear audience, clear cognizant. Clear cognizant means uh, that you just know. It's uh, I don't hear voices, I don't see things. I just have an overwhelming feeling of knowing. Empath or clear sentience are people who actually feel things. Sometimes you go into a room for uh, people who have different clairs. Someone will go into a room and they'll they'll feel certain energies. They'll feel I feel there was a death here. Or I feel something bad happened here. Clear cognizant, you just know. So I'm going to ask you a question and you just know what the answer is. Uh, so apparently that's what I am. And at one point, Karen asked me a question and I said, this is what the answer is. And we weren't 100% sure that, you know, how would I know? But so she started asking me follow-up questions. And she said, well, come give me something else that, that no one else could know, but we can maybe verify. So I decided to just open up and I said, I don't know what this means, but I'm getting that there is a like a like a keystone or something in ask your sister if when they're building their house if they put a keystone or something like that in the foundations of the house to signify their their new union or the new the new house that they're building together i have no idea but ask and see but i'm getting this thing that there's this thing in the in the foundation and karen a couple days later went to her sister and asked and her sister confirmed i didn't even know it so, but yeah, they had. What the fuck? That's crazy. Yes. Or even yes. just the other day, you're like, oh, we got mail from the hospital. I'm like, what? right, right. Sometimes <laughs> I'll, it, something will just hit me. Like, I think we're getting something today. So we go home, open the mailbox, and there's mail from the hospital. And sadly, right. it was a bill. But <laughs> that was the one time I wouldn't want you to know. I know. So, so yeah. So I would say that we've experienced since doing the show, we've experienced some things that are evidential in nature. I had no idea. This Keystone. Came out of nowhere to me. I had no idea that they even, I didn't know at what point they had built their house. I didn't know anything of it. Neither did Karen. So it wasn't influenced by anybody. I hadn't talked to her sister about it. And yet, lo and behold, that's, it, it happened. So. And what does it feel like when that happens? Is it a physical sensation of any sorts? That's the hardest thing about it. And that's why I'm still kind of weirded out by it. Because it's not like, I don't, I can't tell the difference whether it's real or I'm just making it up. And that's why I always preface it by this could be complete bullshit. I could be completely making this up, but ask her about this. But a lot of the people that I've spoken to have said the same thing. Like sometimes I'm like, am I just making this up? But whatever, this message has to come out. And so they'll give the message and half the time, you know, or more than half the time, the person they're giving it to is like, oh my God, yes. But, but then the result is that I don't develop it. Like I don't follow it up because I don't want to look like an idiot. Like, oh, I think that there's a car under your bed. What? No, there's no car in my bed. What are you talking about? You're crazy, right? Oh, uh, Sorry. Sorry. You know, I don't want to be wrong. So I just, eh, just let it be. A lot of times I'll get thoughts, like I'll know something and just don't say anything. And then eventually I'll go, oh my God, Karen, I swear to God, I thought about this before. She goes, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, should, I should start writing things down. Karen, do you have any abilities? You obviously saw the ghost. And have you, what's your weirdest ability experience if you have one? I guess I feel things a lot. I remember one time walking into um, a store in Florida, in this little town in Florida, and walking in, it was like a little antique shop. And I was, I couldn't even be in there for more than two minutes. I had to leave. It felt just dark and awful and oppressive. Or like a more, I guess, obvious example was uh, a few months ago, 
I woke up feeling really sad, just so, so, so sad. And nothing had happened. There was no reason for me to feel this sad. And then that day I got three separate calls from three separate family members, literally crying on the phone about issues they were having in their lives at the time. So I can sometimes feel what, what other people are feeling. And I can, even if they're not around me, I can, I can feel that. And it's, it's not a good thing. Like if I was, if I was going to get to choose something to be able to do, <laughs> I would not have chosen this because yeah. it can be overwhelming and, and really, really hard because you have to figure out, you know, am I being hormonal? Am I tired? What's wrong with me? You know, why am I sad all the time? And, and then sometimes it's like, and then, then I'll find these things out. And it's, you know, people that I'm close with or something is about to happen and bam, then it happens. I'm like, oh, that was really sad or that was really exciting. The exciting ones are good, but the sad ones are not. And I know you're shaking your head at me, Will. Mm, no. But that's all I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I didn't follow up. I, <clears throat> Thank you. Just let it go. Of all the phenomena that you've learned about, if there was one you could either personally experience or study further, what is the one you would pick? I would be a channel. Definitely. You gotta hear think about it. Will wants to astral project. Yeah. <laughs> I would astral project or have an NDE as long as I didn't have to have any of the medical consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, from what I hear, coming back is the hardest part. Yeah. That's the most difficult part is reintegration. But I think besides astral projection, I think I'm ready to see a UFO. I think I'm ready. Not a, an alien. I don't want to see an alien. That would freak me out too much. I don't want someone at the foot of my bed, but I want to be out in the woods somewhere and look up and see a craft. I'm ready for that. Well, have you heard of uh, CE5 events? No. Oh, okay. So we had a lady on the show who does CE5 event is a, uh, it's close encounters of the fifth kind. Now we've all watched close encounters of the third kind, right? Well, the fourth kind, I'm sorry, the fifth kind is now conscious contact. Like we consciously bring them to us. So we have contact. We initiate the contact. And apparently this woman who was a, an astrophotographer, she took pictures of the sky and the stars, started seeing these phenomena all the time. And she got to the point where she was able to, in meditation, call them to her. So now she has these CE5 events where she brings a group of people out and calls these beings to her. So that everyone in the place can experience it. And I am dying to go do that. However, if there are too many people who are doubtful about it, they don't show up. So A, it could be an excuse, right? Oh, you guys are too, too doubting. Or in a way, when you look in this world a little bit, uh, how can I say this? We create our own realities, right? So if in your reality, there's no way that UFO is actually going to come up you are actually actively manifesting that UFO will not come up. So if, there's a, if that energy outweighs the energy of those that are manifesting the UFO to come, then I could see how that might become a little bit of a challenge. So it's understandable, but it's a little convenient sometimes too. Uh, yeah. I mean, my initial response always when I hear this stuff is like, oh, it's probably bullshit and here's why. But let me go see for myself. It's like most likely not. Let me see, though, because maybe, which is a huge difference than how I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ditto. <laughs> yeah. Will, you mentioned in the beginning that death was always a huge fear of yours, and you assumed consciousness created by a brain, when we die, we die. What do you think now? I'm much more open. I believe that 
thanks to a lot of the conversations that we've had on the show, thanks to a lot of books I've read, thanks to experiences that I've had and conversations I've had with Karen, I believe that we are infinite beings that have never been born and will never die. The physical part of us will eventually die, but we continue on afterwards. In what sense? I don't, I don't know for sure. Although I have my own belief system where that falls along the lines of, I don't know, I'm not sure if you watched the movie, What Dreams May Come, but it's an old movie with uh, Robin Williams about the afterlife. So then in that movie, you create your own afterlife, right? So whatever it is that you believe, that's what's going to happen. So my thought process is that if I believe that when I die, that it's game over, then that's indeed exactly what's going to happen. Permanently? Well, I don't know about permanently. I don't know what permanent means, really. But no, because if you also believe in reincarnation or coming, you know, past lives, then at some point you're going to go, okay, I'm tired of being nothing. Let's go back and reincarnate in this, in this lifetime. But I do think that whatever we believe will, will be what we experience, at least for a certain amount of time in the afterlife. Because, and, and there's science behind it where you have a, the energies behind the, the belief system are strong enough where it sustains you as you move forward eventually the energy falls off and then, then you become who you really are and that kind of stuff but the number one reason why i'm no longer afraid of dying is i put it at the feet of karen because she and i had a conversation many conversations where i could say how can you believe that there's something after the blah, 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 blah. and one day she just said something that just floored me i don't know how it got through to me that one particular point in time but what she said to me was you know you might be right when we die, there might be nothing. And that's the end of it. But what if there is something else out there? Isn't it nicer to live your life thinking that there's going to be something else out there rather than always living in fear that there is nothing? And that was like, <gasps> at the end of all of it, Liz, it's a choice. It's a choice that we're making, whether to live in fear or whether to live in hope. And I've chosen to live in hope. And Karen, you've always thought there was an afterlife. How did you used to think the afterlife might work? And have you changed your mind as to how it could work now? I grew up, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. And then after that, I got a degree in anthropology and studied world religions. But I grew up kind of, you know, you're taught the whole heaven and hell and purgatory, at least in Catholic schools you are. And I mean, I sort of believed in that. And then I, you know, from what I learned and took from the other religions, I've kind of pieced together my own sort of belief system and I don't know when I decided, but I decided I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in demons. So that's not an option. So I guess in that regard, it's changed somewhat. When I think about death, it makes me sad to think I would, you know, miss my daughter and the people behind, but I think it's going to be beautiful after. I'm not really afraid. So what I've noticed a lot as I've started studying this and a lot of people who have their lives change in profound ways, new friends, new, just very new lives. Have your lives both changed in any ways since starting this? They have. I mean, in a lot of ways, but recently, and this is weird to me, like people want to hang out with us all the time. I mean, you know, we're fun, <laughs> but, it, but it's like, <laughs> like a lot. You know, we're getting calls from people that we barely know and really like, you know, hell, please come to have dinner with us. Like just so I think something about the energies that we're in 
with the people and the conversations that we're having and the things that we're learning and the things that we're trying to do with ourselves and the meditations that we're doing and all of that is just kind of raising our, our energy level and our vibrational level. And it's really attracting people. So that, that's been fun. I mean, it's, it's weird, but I'm like, Oh gosh, we're special now. (laughs) And and we, we do, we, we love, you know, we love spending time with people. If somebody wants to, you know, we've had different fans, you know, reach out to us and we always, you know, respond and it's just, you know, it's, it's nice. It's fun. And and we, if we can make someone happy with something as little as a message, you know, we'd love to do that. I I agree. When someone reaches out, it's the best feeling. You're like, ah, I impacted somebody. Yeah. I I think, I think your life has changed dramatically in very subtle ways. I think that when we first started this, I'll speak for myself. I was very low vibe. I was in a very bad place, very bad place. And the act of recognizing it and moving forward down this path to better myself has, to Karen's point, raised our vibrations to the point where people are starting to feel that energy. But also, it has allowed me to be so much more sympathetic to the human condition, the people out there. A lot less, I'm still judgy. I'm trying not to be but a lot less judgy, a lot less angry. And what that has allowed me to do is to open myself up to the good in the world, in the universe, so to speak. And I found, find myself wanting to be of service. In the past, I was a typical executive, right? I was super competitive and uh, I've got to win, I got to win, I got to win. And there came a point where you you can't win anymore without stepping on other people in order to get ahead. And that mentality has completely changed for me where now I'm much more about how can I help? How can I be of service? And because of that, I truly believe that because we've changed, I've changed because Karen's always been wonderful about being of service to others. But once we were aligned in that mission moving forward, we're finding that the more of service we are to others, the more our circumstances improve. You want evidence. There's your evidence that the show that we do is doing wonderful, but is doing much more wonderful now since we started trying to help others to become wonderful, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right? We're, we're trying to help others, not just in their lives or raise their vibrations, but also, oh, you have a show? Well, let me help you. Are you doing this, 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 this to help them? Here's what I've learned has made a difference for our show to help you grow. He is a way that genuinely being there for somebody in the time that they need you has been incredible because suddenly we find ourselves whenever we're in need, others are there for us. It's, it's, it's really been truly remarkable. And I think one of the, one of the ways that I know, you know, that you've changed and I think it has to go along with the judgy thing is that he used to be of the mind that you had, he had to persuade people to come to his way of thinking. Mm. And we used to battle about things like that and about, you know, people with different religions. And he was like, well, no, they're wrong. Cause this is this. I'm like, but you know what they believe in, and that belief is good for them. And if they're not hurting anybody and he's like, but no, but it doesn't matter because they're wrong. Well, now <laughs> he understands he might still think they're wrong, but he doesn't say it. No. Now, now that he understands that everybody does have their own reality and they see what they want to see, what they need to see, what's real to them. And you don't have to persuade them to see your point of view. And now, you know, we have these arguments back and forth or discussions, I would say, not really arguments. And instead of going from trying to persuade each other that, you know, I'm right, no, I'm right. It's more like, 
trying to help each other understand how we see things. And if I can see things his way, if he can see things my way, we don't have to change the way we see things. But if we understand how each other is seeing things, then we have a much stronger bond between us and and just a, an overall better life. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me, and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to WTFJustHappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. Allison asks, in all your research, when were you the most shocked? Okay, good question. So in the beginning, I was in this constant state of shock. Everything I was reading, every study I read or class I took, when I started seeing mediums give group readings, when I got private readings, it was like this roller coaster of shock and thrill and then terror, like, oh my God, I'm about to find the catch and this is all going to be bullshit. And it was just this very intense emotional experience, probably for about a year and a half, two years. And the shock started to go away most of the time. And I definitely miss it, but it's still there. It's just not as constant. I'll be just walking along and suddenly think, holy fuck, there's actually a bunch of evidence that seems to say there most likely is an afterlife. Or I'll be hanging out with one of my medium friends and they'll tell me a story or I'll be watching them give group readings and suddenly those chills and shock will hit me again or during one of my own readings. 
And it'll happen sometimes when I'm reading a study or hearing about some new data or amazing experience. So those little shocks will just come and hit me again, which is really wonderful. And just this overall moments where I'm just like, wait, like, holy fuck, how? They're really, there actually seems most likely an afterlife. But it's definitely not those chronic shocks that I had in the beginning when I assumed there was zero chance of an afterlife and I started examining all the evidence. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families, as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash clubcare programs for a complete list of programs and activities. Thank you both so much. Is there any questions I didn't ask you or anything you want to share that you haven't had a chance to? Karen's an angel. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great message. Okay, so if there's nothing else, where can our listeners find you? The very best place to find us is at skepticmetaphysician.com. There you can subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show directly there. You can watch the videos. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can connect with us on social media, uh, everything. You can send us a voicemail or an email directly from the site. Everything you need to know and interact with Skeptic Metaphysicians about is on that website, skepticmetaphysician.com. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore 
or email me at hello at wtfjusthappened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.